the pew that day when the clouds are going to open and that trumpet's going to sound and he's going to come and return to take us home to be with him. No more pain, no more suffering. Praise the Lord. No more sickness. All we're going to get to do is the privilege and the joy of seeing him, worshiping him, being obedient to him. You know, I cannot wait to the day that we get in heaven. I know that we want to see Jesus. Don't get me wrong there. That's the first thing we're going to do. But to be able to hear those angels, holy, holy, holy. I just, I wait for the day to be in the ultimate presence when we no longer have to have faith because we see with our eyes and we behold the glory of the Lord. Amen. This morning, I want us to spend a few moments, if you'll take your Bibles, open to Romans chapter 8, verse 18, as we look at from ashes to glory. From ashes to glory. You know, we we struggle in this lifetime. Would you agree with that? We would probably say, amen, both hands lifted, both feet, because we suffer. And that's just part of what life is because of sin that has entered into this world. We're born into it. God created the world perfect, but it's no longer perfect in all of its aspects because sin entered him. And what I want us to think about today is, you know, that as believers, we have help. And that help comes from none other than who? The Lord. Amen. Because God helps us and works through our suffering to bring us to glory, we must hope in anticipation of his return. He's coming again one day, church. And we must be ready. We must be hoping. And we must be looking through. How are we going to get through this present time if we don't have the hope within us that there's something better coming you know uh, going on a diet I don't think any of y'all have ever had to do that but I just share with you a little bit I've worked on I said I need to lose some weight but you know there's suffering that goes with a diet would we all agree with that and if we don't see any results we soon get off of it but when we see results and we know there's something better On the other side, it helps us push through the suffering. That's what we're going to look at today. If you would stand with me as we look in God's holy word, the book of Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 18. If you would follow along with me, please. For I consider that the present, excuse me, for I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. 
For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we persevere, we wait eagerly for it. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. Father God, today I do thank you for your word. Father, how powerful is, how wonderful is. Father, we believe that the entirety of your word is inerrant and infallible. Father, we believe every word is God-breathed. Father, through your spirit, you put into the hearts of men who wrote your word. And Father, today we ask that You would allow the Holy Spirit within us, Father, to reveal what it was that was written. Because, Father, your word is still living. It's still active. It wasn't just written all those years ago for those, but it was written for us today. And, Lord, would you help us to understand that? And, Father God, I just pray everything in the precious and most holy name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You probably heard one of those verses we're going to look at a little bit down there at Romans 8, 28. Most people can say, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God. And oftentimes they stop there. But we're going to look at this in detail in just a moment. But what uh, one of the verses that people often take out of context, that everything God works out to good, he can. But we're going to look at that. What I want us to begin looking at, talking about from ashes to glory. If I was to ask you, raise your hand. I'm not going to because I'm pretty sure I have the answer. How many of you have ever experienced suffering in your life? Just think about that for a moment. Now, I might ask you, how many of you are experiencing suffering from right now? You know, it becomes difficult. Oftentimes, we we even begin to maybe question. You know, Satan likes to step in. And we begin to question because we're going through suffering and it seems to be dragging on. And many of us are righteous people because God's declared us righteous. And we're praying to God, but it seems like we're still suffering. What can we do? That's what we're going to look at because we've got to focus and anticipate God's return. If you've got your outline opened up there in your bulletin, the first thing we're going to look at is we will suffer. I'm just going to state the truth right off the bat. Just because you're a believer doesn't mean you get the hall pass or the exemption from suffering. Actually, if we're honest, probably as believers, we're going to suffer more persecution than non-believers. We're going to suffer more because Satan is going to attack us more because we're God's people. Those who are not, he's already got them blinded. 
But he wants to attack us. He wants us to to try to bring us down. So we're all going to suffer. And let me just say that suffering in this life is inevitable. But we cannot compare it to how great our glory will be when Christ returns. We've got to put it into comparison. We've got to put it into contrast. We understand that we're going to suffer. But church, it's only for a time. What does the scripture tell us there at the beginning? For I consider that the sufferings of this present time. There's going to come a day that it's over. It might lighten up for us while we're still alive. But there is coming a day that we will be as believers with God. And his glory and the suffering be over. Let's turn to Psalm 18. Psalm chapter 18 verse 2. This is one thing I love about our Lord. Because there is suffering. The psalmist wrote. Actually, I'm going to begin in verse 1. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. When we're suffering church, we've got to run to the stronghold. We've got to run to the tower of refuge. That's our Lord. We've got to to look at him. We can't just look at ourselves. You know, we might even say to ourselves, if we're honest sometimes that, you know, I don't know about you, but in my life I have had times that I have experienced suffering that was not something that I caused. Now take it for granted, I cause enough of my own suffering. Amen? I think we all do that. But we begin to wonder, is it fair? I didn't do anything. But I'm still suffering. Let me just read to you out of Genesis chapter 3 verse 17. Let me just set this up. God has created a perfect world. He created the, what, the heavens and the earth. He created night and day and the light for the day. He created perfectly the land and the garden. He made man perfect. He put him in the garden, created probably the most perfect thing there is, and that was Eve. Come on, guys, our wife, is she not the best? You know, we, most of us men have married up. But he created this beautiful garden and said to work it. He says, you can eat of anything you want but the tree in the middle. He said, as soon as you eat of that tree, you'll die. Well, what happens, oh crafty Satan? Comes up, there's Adam and Eve. I believe they were probably like us, even though they didn't have the sin nature yet. You know, we have a tendency to drift to what we're not supposed to. Should have just kept their... Let me change my word there. Should have just kept herself away from the tree. But how many times we want to go up and flirt and just how close can I get? But old crafty Satan said, you're not going to die. Said your eyes will be open. You'll be like God. And Eve took and she ate of the apple and it was good. And she gave to Adam and Adam ate of the apple. And instantly their eyes were open and they realized they were what? Naked. 
And God came to be with them. He'd walk in the garden. They went and hid. And God called out to them just to catch us up so we're not here all day. He asked Eve what happened. You know, when we sin, we never do anything wrong, do we? The serpent, he deceived me. So then God goes to Adam. And let me tell you what, Adam, he's kind of bold. The woman you gave me, she deceived But then, listen, now think about you suffering because of something that didn't happen. And listen to God as he speaks here to Adam in Genesis 3, 17. Then to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, And have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Now come on, the ground didn't do anything. But cursed is the ground because of you. They're suffering. Now back over in our Romans, we see in these verses, as it says in... uh, Verse 20, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willing, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into freedom and from the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. Even the earth is suffering because of the sin that's in this world. It's groaning with pain. Women, you understand this better than us as men. You groan with the pain of childbirth. Men, let me help you out. If you have ever experienced one of those little stones passing through, you know a little bit about this pain and this suffering and this groaning. And today, as human beings, believers of God within us, there is a groaning because of the suffering Believe there's a groaning within us because of the sin that's within us that we don't want. Remember, we've talked about that in Romans. I do the things I don't want to do and the things I want to do I don't do. There's a a groaning within us. We're upset. Holy Spirit is speaking through us. We're suffering persecution. But look there, it tells us at verse 23... And not only this, but also we ourselves having the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. The first fruits. Jesus came out of the grave. He sent who? The Holy Spirit to come and indwell in us. The first fruits of the living to tell us that we're going to be resurrected again. He's going to come there and he's going to speak to us. And our groaning, he's going to minister to that. It tells us in verse 24, for we hope in what we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what is already seen. But if we hope for what we do not see, what perseverance we wait eagerly for. We need to be waiting eagerly, church, for Holy Spirit to work within us. But we need to be waiting in faith and hope of that day that he returns. That's going to get us through the suffering 
that we face, the persecution that we face as believers, knowing that one day as a believer he's coming for us. It tells us that. You know, it's not something we've seen yet. How many of you love Christmas time? You get presents, you ask for things, you, you hope for things. But if you know what's there, it's not much hope, is it? Once you see it. We haven't seen our glory yet. We haven't seen the glory of Jesus is going to be revealed. Jesus is glory. God is glory. And all glory is due to the Trinity. But we haven't seen it but in hope. God knows that it's difficult for us. He knows that we will suffer. And because of that, not only will we suffer in your outline, but the second, we have a helper. How many of you want help when you're suffering? Amen. You got difficulty in something, you want help. You're taking a test, it's difficult, you want help. You're plowing a garden, it's difficult, it's good to have help. You're dragging weeds, it's good to have help. I love my little helper. You can go out and work in the yard. Waiter's going to be right there with you. He's going to pick it all up and help you drag it. A helper. We all love to have help. We all have helper. You know, the Holy Spirit knows better than we do. And he's here to help us in our weakness. Praise the Lord. Can I get an amen? We have a helper. Well, how do we know that? Well, let's look at uh, John 14, 16. When Jesus speaks, it's the truth. And this is what Jesus was telling the disciples. John 14, 16. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. You see, Jesus came in human flesh. He was born of a baby. He was just like us. I can help one or two of you at a time, but I can't be with everybody at all times. Jesus in his humanity cannot be with everyone at all times. So he, he said, I'm going to die. And when I come alive, I'm going to go to heaven. And his disciples got upset. But he said, wait a minute. He said, I'm going to send you a helper that can be with everyone. And he will always be with you. You don't have to pick up the phone and dial and wait. Get a busy signal. You don't have to drive down the road as a believer. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. And he's there to help us at all times. Well, What kind of help do we need? Well, probably the greatest thing the Holy Spirit does, according to Scripture, is he helps us in prayer. Look back here at Romans 8 and verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness... For when we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Rhonda, when we don't know what to pray, because it's like Trace's leg just not doing anything, Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Miss Susan, when we don't know how to pray for Butch, the Holy Spirit is there interceding for us. All of us have things in our life and we're just so weak and broken down because it's continuing on and on and we don't know what to do 
Or maybe we get some kind of news, something happens in our life and we just, we don't know what to pray. The Holy Spirit, our helper, steps in and he's interceding to the Father. Glory, he's there. He's interceding to the Father. Look at verse 27. And he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to To the will of God, he intercedes for us. Y'all have heard me talk about different types of prayers. Especially if you've been here on Wednesday night, we have a prayer of adoration. Amen? We praise the Lord for who he is. We have a prayer of thanksgiving. We pray to the Lord for what he's done. Glory, amen on that one. We have a prayer of intercession where we pray for other people. We have a prayer of petition where we pray for ourselves. But here it tells us that our helper, the Holy Spirit, which is part of the Trinity, is God. He intercedes. He's praying for us. And he is praying as it said there. But the Spirit himself intercedes with us with groanings too deep for words. Have you ever been brought to your knees crying to the Lord? Whatever the situation was, and all you could do was just weep, you didn't even know what to say. Holy Spirit steps in and he intercedes with groanings. He's grief too. And he's interceding. He's pleading. He's begging to the Father on our behalf. That's how we can handle the suffering. But here is probably the greatest part of this. But he intercedes for the saints according, according to the will of of God. When we read in God's word, it talks about praying in the name of Jesus. It's not talking about something you add on a sentence in the name of Jesus. Amen. It means we're praying in the will of God. And do you know when we're suffering so much that Holy Spirit has to intercede because we don't know what to pray? He's praying on our behalf in the will of God. And what happens, church, when you pray in the will of God? He answers the prayer. When I don't know how to pray, my helper is before the Lord pleading in his will. And thirdly, we are predestined to glory. Now we could spend weeks talking about predestination. Not going to go into a whole bunch of detail on that. There's a lot of controversy over that. But what were we going to look at? Let's look at verses 28 through 30. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. 
And these whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. While we are suffering, God is at work in our lives, shaping us to make us what we want to be. Remember I said earlier about going on a diet? We go through suffering. But as we work on that diet, it begins to shape us. You see, God created us perfect. God created man perfect, without sin, without blemish. And because sin entered in, we're suffering. And because we're suffering, God is working in that suffering to conform us to what he wants us to be. And that's perfect. He wants us to be just like his son, Jesus. And he's working on us. Ephesians 2.10. Let me read that to you if you want to turn there. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. We're his workmanship. Maybe we could say we're his ball of clay. He's taking us and shaping us and forming us. And let me tell you what, church, whatever you have in your mind as the perfect you, Whatever is the greatest that you can imagine for you falls short of the glory that he wants for you. The master's at work. He's working within us and he's working hard to get us. Nicole's going to come up here and she's going to help me. Y'all are all familiar with the little short song that we've sung as children. But thinking that we're God's workmanship, I want you all to sing this. In fact, let's just go ahead and stand. You've been sitting for a few moments. Let's just go ahead and stand, and I want you all to sing this along with us. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars. The sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be. He's still working on me. Living out to be a sign upon my heart. Don't judge me, yet there's an unfinished part. That I'll be perfect just according to his plan. Fashioned by the master's loving hands. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make this moon and stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be. He's still working on me. He's still working on me. Amen. He is still working on us. You may be seated. I only got just a little bit more here for you. That's the good news. That's how we can get through this suffering is in hope of the anticipation of his return. Because when he returns, he's taking us to glory. 
And we will have a new body. Though mentioned earlier that the earth was groaning. When he comes again, he's going to create a, a new earth. There's going to be no more groaning of the earth. That verse Romans eight twenty eight that all things work together. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. All right, now listen closely because that's what gets left out. You see, God causes all things to work together, what? To those who love God. If we love God, God is working in our life even in the suffering. He's shaping us. He's forming us to be who we need to be. But it also tells us that he causes all things to work together for those who are called according to his purpose. He calls us for a reason. And those who are called a reason and those who love God, he's working. Whatever the situation is, he's working Whatever the situation of suffering in your life today, let me assure you, God has not forgotten you. He's still working. But what do we also see? Let's move here. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Let me just say this real quick and then we're going to move on. It doesn't say... That God predestined some people to heaven and some people to hell. I don't see that anywhere in scripture, church. We see in scripture all over that God so loved the world that whosoever, all people, I was just reading today in one of the books I was reading in in God's Word and it talked about how he wanted all people to come to know him. What is this saying? This predestined, yes, predestined means a determined fact of something that's going to happen. But what does he say here in this verse 29? He also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. This is what it's saying, that as a believer, you are predestined. And you will be conformed into the image of his son. Amen? You will as a believer. God has promised that he's working on us. And one day when he comes to take us up and we see the glory, we will no longer just be declared righteous. We will be righteous. We will be conformed into the image of his son. And it says those that he called, he predestined them to call and to be justified. The moment we accept Christ, he calls us. God's calling everybody. When we accept him, he justifies us. He declares us righteous. And then it says, in whom he justified, he also glorified. Amen. There it is. From ashes, from our suffering, from our grief to glory. There's coming a day when we get all the glory. I want to say this very, very lightly, but I want you to hear my heart. We've all known someone that suffered greatly in this life through a disease or a sickness. And we love them. And our hearts are broken. 
when God calls them home. But let me tell you what they're not. They have the glorified body. We're human. It's hard to let them go. But it's the glorified body that they are. No more sickness. No more health. No more crying. No more tears. Just joy and a new glorified body. So while we may suffer in this lifetime. Know that God is at work through your suffering. And to get through it joyously like the Bible says we can, we must, church, we must anticipate with faith and hope his returning. May you bow your heads. Father, we just approach your throne right now. And Father, I cannot help. Father, I would be ignorant to stand here today and think that your church, your people here are not suffering. Father, your word tells us that we're going to suffer. That, Father, as long as we're alive, we're suffering because of the sin that's in this world. Father, oftentimes we suffer because we sin against you. But, Lord, there are times that we suffer because someone else has sinned against you. And it's affected us. Father, I pray that in these next few moments, Lord, that, Father, I just pray right now that, Father, whatever we're suffering, Lord, some know it just right off the bat. Father, some may be suffering and not quite sure, Lord. Would you just reveal, Lord, would you let us be honest with ourselves, Lord, that we're suffering? Father, I pray this morning that if our suffering is due to a sin, that, Father, you would convict us right now. Father, just overwhelmingly convict us. Father, convict them. Father, help them to confess that and to repent. Lord, if they need to come to the altars, Lord, would you just call them? But Father, I know there's some here today, Lord, that are suffering from outside their own circumstances. And Father, they need a a fresh touch from you. Father, may your Holy Spirit move. Father, may we feel the wind, the Spirit as he passes by. Lord God, would you strengthen us? I'm just going to ask you, if you're here today and you're suffering, I believe many, if not all of us are, and you would honestly say,
Pastor, I'm suffering. I need the fresh touch, a fresh anointing this morning. Would you just get up from where you're at? Let's come to these altars. There's kneeling benches. If you can't kneel, there's front pews you can sit on. Let's come and come to the Lord's altar this morning and let's pray to him. Come on, don't be ashamed. We're all suffering. You want a fresh touch? Just get up right where you're at. Just make your way to the front that we can pray. Any others this morning? You just, you want that touch. You need that comfort. You know it's there, but sometimes it just don't feel like it. Where are you at? Maybe you just want to kneel right where you are. But this is the moment to get real with God. Psalms just going to play in the background that I surrender all. I pray at this moment that you would just 